Hi everyone and welcome back to Fast Charge. Uh, for the first time this is actually our second show of the day because if you didn't spot we did a live commentary of the Huawei Mate 40 launch earlier today. Uh, so it should come as no surprise that we are going to open with talking about the Mate 40 series. Uh, I'm joined by a full set of people here but chief among them right now is Jim who actually has a Mate 40 Pro with him what? and he's been testing that out of it. So that's exciting. Uh, also, we've got Toddy and Aniron here on the stream, who you hopefully know well by now. Uh, once we are clear with everything Huawei, we are going to be turning to Vivo, uh, which has just officially entered the Western European market, uh, which is quite exciting. It's brought along the Vivo X51, which is in fact the Vivo X50 Pro. They just changed the name for some reason. Uh, it's joined by three budget phones. So we're going to talk about that and really just focus on what the X51 is and what this means for the European market and how Vivo is going to carve itself a little place within it. Uh, and we're then going to pivot from that wonderful good news for Vivo to some bad, not necessarily sad, news about Quibi or Quibi. I'm not sure we ever got to the bottom of that. Uh, which is officially dead, or will be very, very soon. Uh, the uh, company has announced that it is shutting down this strange mobile-only streaming service that launched at the worst possible time for a mobile-only streaming service to launch is gone. Uh, let's start with the good stuff, though, or, or hopefully good. Uh, let's start with the Huawei Mate 40. So, yeah, we got what we were kind of expecting today, which was three phones, the Mate 40, the Mate 40 Pro, and the Mate 40 Pro Plus. I think kind of the headline things are a new 5 nanometer processor in the Kirin 9000, camera upgrades across the board, and quite steep price tags. I think I'm probably not the only one who thinks um, they start from 900 euros. That's the cheap one. Uh, and it goes up pretty quickly from there. Uh, Jim, you have the Pro, which is the, the middle sibling. I do. I have the... Let me just show you here. Okay. Um, I'll give you a quick look. I know this is going to be a podcast as well, so I'm afraid you can't see this, but the Mystic Silver. Uh, hopefully that, that some of that effect is coming across on the camera here. If you, um, can you turn it upside down for a second, Jim? Uh, like this? Yeah, like is a, it me or is that... Like an iPod. Yeah. <laughs> it's I didn't like see it until just now, but it looks like an iPod just click wheel. see if that works. Yes. Without screen, amazing. <laughs> that, that would be a great uh, little Easter egg, wouldn't it? If you sort of spin around the camera and something magic happens. <laughs> yeah, so the uh, the Mate 40 Pro uh, is the, I think, the only one that's coming to the UK uh, and Europe. That's the only one, uh, when we were sent the press release, that's the only one that got a UK price. Right. Um, everything what is the else, UK price? So the UK price is £1,099. Okay, so then it, and it's €1,199. Yes. Um, they did give euro pricing for the other two models, so I'm guessing they must be coming out in some European markets. Yeah, you'd but imagine I guess not they the UK. would be. Um, it's, it's not surprising. We've seen it a lot of times before where um, Huawei decides that they'll uh, launch, for example, I think, was it the... Uh, the Mate 30 Lite only initially came out in Spain and then yeah, eventually right. did come to the UK. Um, I don't know what will happen this time, but the only one that we're being told about um, is the Mate 40 Pro. Um, in the pre-brief, they were very reluctant to talk about any of the other models. Um, the only one to focus on is Mate 40 Pro. So we'll talk about the Mate 40 Pro. Yeah. So how long have you had the phone with you, Jim? 
So I got it on Monday. Um, so it was, uh, I believe, yeah, a couple of days. I've had, I've, I've been playing around with it. Um, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, playing around with it with minimal information about it <laughs> um, because I still don't have a spec sheet. I still, uh, I don't know the answers to all the questions that you may be asking and the audience mm. may be asking. So we just uh, like waving like a Y shaped stick around the phone, kind of divining. <laughs> what internals it might bring to the table who knows what could be inside <laughs> so one of the problems i've had is uh i mean we can we can talk about the specs and features the design and stuff um but one of the problems is that the the software that it's running um and this has happened to us quite a few times in the past and not just with huawei and honor phones uh it's running a sort of a pre-build of software not not the commercial software and that mm. means you can't run certain apps including benchmarking apps so um i can't verify that those um benchmark results which appeared on geekbench are right um but but we do now know from the launch of course how much faster uh, they're claiming that the kirin 9000 is yeah. uh, compared with the 865 plus and they um, they had big claims there so yeah. the the sort of the underwhelming start was 10000 10000 10% faster <laughs> cpu than the snapdragon 865 which you know is faster but not a massive change but then they went on to say i think it was 50 or 60 percent faster gpu performance and something like two and a half times yeah right 50 and then two and a half times faster uh, machine learning the neural processor yeah yeah 2.4 times faster than the 865 plus um so a lot of um good numbers there um Mm. what that actually means in reality is potentially a different thing because um as we'll always keep coming back to, you can't necessarily run the games uh, that you may want to. You can't necessarily run the apps you may want to um, because, of course, uh, as everyone knows, it doesn't have Google services. So you're using alternatives for some of the apps you can't get and some of the apps um, which uh, you'd, you'd want to use with your uh, smart home stuff like Alexa, you, could, mm. you just can't get it. So you can't, uh, you can't use them. Um, so the performance in some respects, I think you mentioned this actually uh, during the live stream that 10% uh, isn't, you know, we're, that's kind of an expected figure these days because we're almost plateauing uh, in, in terms of the, the performance that we're getting from phones. And do you really need more than that? I mean, uh, I'm still running a P30 Pro and on no occasion have I said, oh, I'm going to have to upgrade this because it's just not fast enough. Yeah. You know, the performance yeah. of, uh, is it the uh, 9 the 980 in there. I think it's the 980. Um, yeah. Kirin 980 is still good enough. So, you know, two generations ago, and I'm still not needing any more power. I guess the difference is that, I mean, that's part of why we've seen, yeah, the CPU boost is not huge. They made a point, uh, Richard Yu, the, the CEO, made a point of saying on stage, GPU matters more. That's why they were bullish yep. about the bigger GPU growth, because for gaming, that's the one that matters. Though, Jim, you, you made the fair point that if you can't get call of duty mobile or whatever on the phone then it might be a moot point depending on what games you care about Um, but it's the neural process i think is really important especially because that's what drives camera performance to a very large extent and of course that is where huawei always has its big guns with with especially the mate series i don't remember the figure but there's also uh, quite a big boost in isp uh, performance and just using the cameras um, and playing around with them for the past couple of days um 
they are definitely enhanced by having that extra power behind them. And obviously it's enabling new features like the HDR video mm-hmm. um, and everything just feels a lot slicker. So if you want to shoot at 4K60 the entire time, both uh, back and front, um, you know, you're never going to have a problem with that. Um, and also, you know, running the effects on top. A lot, mm. I mean, there's a lot that's very familiar about previous uh, phones. So for example, it'll still tell you you can't do beauty effects if you're running in 4K or at 60 frames mm-hmm. per second, I think it is. Um, so you're still limited in some some respects. Uh, and I think uh, just going back to a point that you mentioned before about the cameras, um, you know, all upgraded and everything, I don't believe that the main 50 megapixel camera is new. I think that's the it, one. It's a larger used. sensor, I believe. Uh, is, it, is it a larger sensor though? Um, it may be. Uh, they, they, they said it was during the launch event. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll have to come back. We'll have to come back on that. This is one of the figures I meant to check before this and then forgot. Um, I thought it was the same size sensor that they'd used in uh, the P40 and possibly even the Mate 30. I may be wrong. I I was pretty sure they were saying it was a bigger sensor, uh, which I thought was the main change in that camera. Yeah, it may may well be. um, But it's still 50 megapixels. It still uses the RYYB um, sort of sub-pixel arrangement. It's still going to be really good in low light. Um, still got, I believe, the same uh, aperture, so same uh, f one point nine. Put simply, what I'm trying to say is, there are not major advances in the cameras. Um, so you know, we've we've seen from the P30 Pro through to the Mate 30, and then P40. Um, we've seen the three times and the ten times optical zoom lenses. We've seen the ultra wide cameras. We've seen the massive sensor, 50 megapixel, which does the pixel binning and gives you a is it 12 and a half megapixel image mm-hmm. um, in the end. And it's all very good. And to be honest. The, the photos and videos that I've been taking, including from the front uh, front cameras, have been very, very impressive, as you'd expect. It, so you mentioned the front cameras. My impression from the stream was minor spec bumps on the rear cameras, but the, the emphasis was really the front cameras, where suddenly it's not that they were doing new stuff, but they were emphasizing a lot of the best things of last year's camera were now on the front as well. Exactly. So you've got, uh, for anyone who doesn't uh, know already, you've got uh, two 13 megapixel cameras, so lower resolution than perhaps you might expect, given that we've seen 32 megapixels on the front of some phones in the past. Uh, I've got a Huawei. 44 megapixel 44. Vivo selfie camera here. Uh, yeah, we'll get 13, to that in a bit. Yeah, 13 seems to be enough, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is, of course, fine. Uh, so you've got a, a wide lens and you've got an ultra wide lens. So what Huawei was saying about the dual cine cameras was that you effectively have the same capabilities front and back. So you can shoot in um, 4K 60 front and back um, mm-hmm. in, and, and the, it defaults to the, the ultra wide camera for that, um, which obviously also helps with stabilization because a wider view means it doesn't look as uh, as jerky. And mm-hmm. um, you, the standard one, uh, sorry, that gives you, the ultra-wide one gives you a 100-degree um, field of view, which is good for for getting multiple people in. Mm-hmm. And the standard view, I'm not sure what the field of view is, uh, but it's uh, a bit narrower. I think they said 80, but I might Yes, it be probably wrong. is 80, actually. Um, and then the using the AI, it will detect uh, when you've got multiple uh, faces in the frame, and it'll offer to go to the ultra-wide mm-hmm. so that you can take... Uh, a selfie with more people in it without having some kind of uh, telescoping arm. Mm. <laughs> I'm surprised at this stage in the game that 
the front camera isn't getting more love from all manufacturers. I think yeah. you know we, we are seeing you know the odd improved low light and selfie mode feature here and there. Um, I remember you know back in the day the one of the old Xperia Ultras had a really high res front camera. The Desire I from HTC had a really yeah, good front that camera. Yeah, that was one of the first, wasn't it? Exactly, and then that kind of drifted off again. Like even with the the latest iPhones, the front cameras they're they're fine, but they're just not really much of an upgrade, or at least they're not talking about it. Whereas Huawei's really shouting mm. about it, which I think is interesting. Mm. It's in a weird way a shame that it's Huawei doing the shouting. <laughs> Um, for obvious reasons, yep. um, but at the same time, you know, the app gallery does support TikTok, which is important. But just, yeah. I only say yep. that because front camera usage is probably way up now, more now than it's ever been because of apps sure. like Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok. Yeah. But also, people using Zoom and everything right now, it seems like it would have been a smart thing for other manufacturers to jump on as well. I think we are at a bit of a turning point there. Mm. Um, obviously, Huawei's emphasis here, as I previously briefly mentioned the vivo i've got the vivo v20 where that whole range is all about high megapixel big image sensor selfie cameras um and you mentioned apple and they haven't necessarily they didn't dwell on the hardware of the selfie camera but they did make a fuss about night mode on the selfie camera which is i don't i think you can probably get it on some android phones so i couldn't name one off the top of my head so i'm not sure pixel now has night sight on the front camera ah yeah the pixels also just added it i think so that you know, that's kind of a new thing is night mode on selfie cameras. So I, th- I think people are beginning to realize a lot of the cool stuff that have been put into rear cameras wasn't hadn't been brought through to the selfie cameras yet. And this does feel like the year for people to start screaming and shouting about selfie cameras, right? But I feel like I feel like the logical next step from that will be to come up with like some more advanced like face unlock technology because it feels like, like Apple's had the Face ID for a few years now. And it feels like a lot of them still do like 2D scans and kind of it can still be fooled by a picture of you and things like that. It feels like that's something that could still I mean, while we took a step back in that regard, the Mate 30 Pro had like an IR scanner like the iPhone and then Mm. P40 Pro series, they ditched it for the punch hole camera and it looks like that's carried through to the Mate 40 series. It's the same with the Pixel 4 to 5 ditched some of their... So part of the issue there is it's hardware. So Apple has maintained it but they are the only company that's still making phones with a big, ugly notch at the top. It's a big notch mm, as that's well. True. That's and true. And that's yeah. the difference, is that other companies kind of did it. And I think what the Android manufacturers realized is the trade-off of pretty display and functional display space as well. Let's be, let's be fair, that icon space at the top of your screen. Um, you are giving that up for the sake of a security feature that most people don't understand or care about. And if you have Touch ID, like a fingerprint sensor anyway, then you don't need a really advanced facing. Apple like went all in because it scrapped the fingerprint sensor at the same time as it added it in. So it's got no way back until it adds in that Touch ID side button that we're all hoping it does. But the other manufacturers can all just kind of say, well, look, we've already got a fingerprint scanner that's very good and secure and fast. Why do we need another secure and fast biometric system when instead we could have a beautiful bezel-less screen? It's, a, it's an interesting point, isn't it? Um, I mean, I've got an iPhone as well with Face ID, and I do love it. Um, it is very, very convenient. Unless um, you're wearing a I mask. Think, yes, well, yes, mm-hmm. unless you're wearing a mask. Um, that's not so great. And even uh, I think the, the, the face unlock on the Mate 40 Pro won't work if you're, if you're wearing a mask. Um, that's a bit of an issue at the moment. But it does um, segue nicely into the point that the, the cameras on the Mate 40 Pro 
uh, because there's two of them, they can do a 3D face scan. Mm. They they are deliberately avoided, I think, talking about the security of it compared with um, Apple's version. Uh, so it's more secure than the 2D version you get on the, the entry-level Mate 40, but possibly not as secure as on the... Uh, uh, on the iPhone, uh, well, and but, possibly not as secure as last year's, and, Mate 30 and also Pro not as secure as the Mate 30 Pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they deliberately avoided any comparisons there. Uh, but again, it's a convenience feature, um, so yeah. you can choose whatever, you, and you can set them both up so you can have your fingerprint uh, scanner working at the same time as uh, face unlock. Nice. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot on the Android side where people are sort of working those together so that it's. As you're scanning your fingerprint, it's also registering your, you know, scanning your face and trying to use them both at once, which again adds to the security element if you can require both simultaneously to get in. Yeah. Um, what we, what I forgot to say, of course, is that the other use for the new cameras is what they were talking about um, being the eyes-on display. So mm. um, it's got an always-on display, which is dis- disabled by default, as it is with all Huawei phones. So you have to go into your display settings, you have to turn on always-on display, and then you can go into the advanced options and turn on... Uh, I can't remember what they call it. They don't call it eyes-on display, uh, which is why I couldn't find it initially. But hmm. um, <laughs> uh, it enables you to uh, have... It's basically save battery life by not not showing the always on display unless the cameras detect that your eyes are looking at the phone and then it will show the display and that's it's kind of fun because um it works even if the phone is lying sort of facing the ceiling on your side table or something you can just glance mm. over at it and it will come on um and while i haven't had time to investigate it looks like you can customize judging by the what they were showing with the cat in the uh promo video you can customize what little uh, graphic is shown there. Yeah. Uh, so by default, mine is showing uh, like a stag, the silhouette of a stag for some reason. <laughs> it's your Patronus, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe it detects uh, what, what, your, what your image should be. Uh, so I, um, does it work well? Because that was my big, you know, that was the kind of feature that sounds cool. And then I thought, can it, you know, if I'm at a funny angle from my phone, can it really tell I'm looking at it? Or it, will it... It's, it's not perfect. So I was just looking at it a minute ago and it sat on the uh, the palm rest of uh, my laptop there and, and it wasn't coming on. And I was thinking, hmm, what, uh, have I disabled it or not realized? Uh, so it seems to be working most of the time, mm-hmm. uh, not 100% of the time. That was my fear. I think I would probably just keep an always on display on yeah. over that. But I guess it depends how much battery you get back from using it. Um, one thing I would say, having tested... Uh, Emotion UI 11 when it was still in beta if I'm not mistaken you can have animated GIFs as custom clocks on the AOD that's probably hmm. what it is actually yeah which is I'd say the best thing about Emotion UI 11 from my experience See, I had a bongo cat on my phone whenever I woke it up which is pretty good um, I just needed to say that I just thought it was important <laughs> yeah there is one other odd uh, software point about it for a flagship launching right now which is symptomatic of Huawei's Google struggles, is it's Android 10. It's EMUI 11, but it's EMUI EMUI 11 runs on Android 10, not Android 11. Yeah, I guess we're getting into this now, aren't we? Uh, Obviously, it's a struggle for Huawei to to get access to to, to the latest versions. I don't know. I'm no expert in using open source Android, but clearly, if they could have done it easily, they would have, and they haven't. Yeah, I was quite surprised by it because... It's not like they have trouble getting Android as is because that's open source. So I'm, 
I guess it's a question of maybe they couldn't get access to it pre-release. Yeah. I, I so suspect they will update it. To Android 11. But of course, as anyone would uh, say after they've used EMUI for a while, you won't notice what version of Android is running underneath yeah. it because it, it's such a customized overlay uh, that it won't look any different when you do upgrade to Android 11. So it's kind of, yeah, not not massively important. I mean, unless mm. uh, you can think of any features in Android 11 which people would really miss uh, by not having it. The Bubbles. <laughs> Chat bubbles, maybe not. the no. The music player up in the note up in the control center, good. I think, is a nice tweak. Actually, my favorite Android Eleven feature wouldn't even work because that's the, the if you hold down the power button, you get smart home control mm. shortcuts. Yeah, but that is all driven by Google Home, of course. So that wouldn't work anyway on a Huawei device. Yeah, I mean this. Is, I mean, I, I've already expressed frustration about <laughs> not being able to run the apps that I want to, not being able to benchmark it. But there are various other things, you know. I can't uh, install the LifeX app to control my smart lights. I can't uh, sort of change um, settings and set up new Amazon Echoes because I can't get the Alexa app running. Uh, there's no Zoom app uh, available by default, so I couldn't have taken this call on it. There's no Slack. Um, there's uh, There are a few apps on there. But the mm. problem is that if the apps you want and you need aren't there, and I... I when I wrote up uh, my my opinion piece earlier on the website, I was uh, just saying that there's so many apps that people use for smart hardware that they've got, whether it is yep. as specific as an electric bike or as generic as you know the common Philips Hue that a lot of people use. Um, if you can't get those apps, you can't control them with your phone. And therefore, the big question is, why would you choose this expensive phone over any other flagship which would fit yep. in this budget? And that's the big that's the biggest problem that, uh, that Huawei's got at the moment. Um, and of course, I think everyone, I've, I've checked out a few uh, early reviews just before we came on and the headlines are all exactly the same. You know, the best phone that you shouldn't buy or the most beautiful phone that you can't yep. buy. Um, I actually say most beautiful. I do want to say I really like the design yeah. of the Mate 40 series. And that's as someone who I've got the, the Mate 30 Pro here. I don't like the Mate 30 Pro. I know some people do. I think the Mate 30 Pro is quite ugly and I really don't like the round camera module. But the way they've done that round camera module to me looks far better. The, um, there's a definite overlap with Nokia's design language now, I think. The, yeah. the Nordic design, as they're calling it nowadays. Um, I don't know who's doing it better. I kind of really like that finish as well. The, on that the finish helps. Yeah. Uh, your other options are black, white, that one is Mystic Silver. Uh, then there's Vegan Leather in dark green or orange. Though Huawei insists that the orange is yellow, yellow. and it's not. It's orange. <laughs> I swear, I felt like I was going mad during that presentation. They kept calling it yellow, and that's definitely orange. I mean, from the company that used the, the name Breathing Crystal, as I like to mention often, <laughs> uh, I think we can't always take their word for it when it comes to color names. <laughs> we'll have to see it in the flesh before we can make a decision. Maybe it's yellow. Like, it's actually yeah. got quotes around it or something. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I think from a design perspective, they've really nailed it this time. I actually think this is a really beautiful series of phones. Uh, the Porsche design uh, accepted, that's ugly as sin, yep. but they always are. <laughs> and so... of course, that's so exclusive that it's kind of oh, not relevant it's, either. It's so... two and a half grand or something. It's, yep. you know, yeah, very silly. You do money. get 12 gig of RAM and five 12 gigs of storage. So... And a thermal sensor. So oh yeah, and a, can... and a thermometer, basically. <laughs> 
they didn't say if you could use that for like COVID temperature checks, but I, I don't know. I still wouldn't pay a grand for it though. <laughs> no. <laughs> there were various things, you know. We touched on on um, the Android ten eleven issue. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, things uh, like the the processor. It sounds great that they've got a five nanometer chip in there. That's really cool. Mm. But yeah. we know if you step back bigger picture that they've got real issues with using ARM art architecture and the Kieran yep. line as a whole is kind of dead in the water pretty much in terms of further development until this, they this fix it. This might be the last one. Yeah. Right? And then, and yeah. then when you made reference in your stream, Dom, uh, during the event of the music at the end, which was a beautifully <laughs> amazing horn based slow version of dream it possible. Huawei's like signature theme, <laughs> but it was melancholic to the point where I was like, Wow, do they are they like is this like a, a subtle admission that this yeah, might be yeah. a, like a last I thought exactly like, the same. You know, the Mr. Yep. the um uh Blackadder going yeah, over yeah. the trenches. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely the vibe. Uh it's yeah. a shame. Yeah, I I guess they're just holding out hope for Biden really. Uh not to get too political on the show, but I guess the hope has got to be if Biden wins in November, he a may take US a different view to say on on the sort of Chinese relationship and Huawei and how that all works mm. um for with four more years of Trump it's hard to see Huawei lasting four more years of selling phones in the west yeah I, I wouldn't say they're going to stop making phones but they might just give up on the western market yeah as a, as a place to sell them their laptops are still good their yeah. wearables are all right yes yeah absolutely and the headphones yeah. they've been making great strides in the headphone stuff so they might end up in this weird space where they do all the accessories but not not the central phone hardware mm. Um, right, and I think that's time to move on. We've, I think we've covered that pretty thoroughly. Uh, I think the takeaway, at least my takeaway is, again, like you said, this phenomenal hardware, not a massive upgrade over last year, and not as big a camera upgrade as we thought, but still very, very strong hardware, as always a bit hamstrung by the software. And this year, really hamstrung by the price as well, because going up by 100 euros on every model compared to last year feels baffling this year of all years. Um, price being weird is actually kind of also my big issue with our next topic, which is Vivo's European launch. Um, Vivo has entered the European market for the first time. They have kind of sold a couple of phones have made it into Eastern Europe before, but this is a proper big Western European launch. They are launching phones in the UK, Germany, France, Italy, I think Spain and Poland, something like that. Um... So Vivo is here. That they were kind of the last big Chinese phone brand that hadn't made the jump yet, I think. Um, and they have arrived with a set of four phones, three budget entries, which are the Y11s, the Y20s, and the Y70. Um, we don't know the pricing for all of those, but the middle one of the set, the Y20, starts from 149. So the Y11s must be even less than that. So they're going very cheap at those. Um, and then there's no mid-range, and then there's just a flagship that they've thrown out, which is the X51, where they seem to have just picked of their X50 series, they grabbed one of them, changed the name, slightly changed the 5G band support, and threw it out into the Western market, and for some reason changed the name, and seem to be quite affronted that people keep asking them, isn't this the X50 Pro? But it was, and it they're was like, quite... no, 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 it's different. Here's all these differences. And they, there are literally two differences. Slightly different 5G bands. And they tweaked the software a bit for the Western market. I mean, it was funny in the lead up when we were kind of getting pitched about seeing the device early and all this yeah. stuff. Because we were told this mystery phone. Off, 
yeah, you just come off reviewing all of the Vivo X50 range? I've, no, I so, I, so I've got the Pro here. So this yeah. is the X51, fundamentally. Yeah. This is it looks same identical. Fun. It is yeah, identical. in the same no color that we got the X51 so, in. This is, so, yeah, conveniently, the, the, the X50 Pro comes in three colors. The X51 only comes in this one, which is called Alpha Gray. Um, you won't be able to see from my webcam, I'm sure, but just on the camera module at the bottom, it does say Pro here because this is the Pro. I also have the Pro Plus, and at that point it says Pro Plus. The Vivo X51 also says Pro on the camera module. <laughs> Even though it's not a Pro model, it's, there's no Pro branding, but it's literally the same hardware. They say the 5G support is different. It supports a slightly different set of 5G bands to guarantee your 5G access in the West. Do you but think they weren't specific about what they've changed. Do you think that's software-enabled bands? I think it might be, because this is clearly broadly the same hardware. Because then it is literally no different hardware, not even a different modem. Yeah, they didn't antennas. specify that it was yeah, different yeah. hardware. I don't the, know, so I don't want to say for sure. I mean, the important thing is, is it running FunTouch? It is still running FunTouch OS. You. <laughs> um, this is the other thing that has changed. So it, it, uh, FunTouch OS is Vivo's Android skin. Um, I'll be Worst open, name. I'm not a fan. I hate the name. But I have also used the name for every, every Viva review I've written that's had some sort of eight, you know, heading around how fun touch is no fun um it, it is not great it's maybe my least favorite of the uh, oem android skins it's certainly near the bottom of the pile um i haven't used the x51 uh, someone else on the team did samrata who's who's not working this week so she can't be on this this show she did say in her review that it is better that it is cleaner that it is closer to stock android and she didn't have any issue with fun touch on the x51 I, I don't know for sure what they've changed, but they made a big point in their um, uh, announcement stream of saying there's no bloatware installed at all. Um, so I think there are some kind of stock Vivo apps, but other than that, you're not getting anything else thrown in. So I, I think it probably should software-wise be a step up. When we do get these these Chinese devices that aren't built for global audiences, it's always fascinating to me just how much they can get away with in terms of what a Chinese user must be bombarded with in terms of like mm. ads in the launches sometimes yeah. or just the sheer number of preloaded apps that you can't uninstall is, is vast I'm, sometimes. I'm, I'm trying out uh, the Infinix 08, um, which is a, a sort of mid-range device, Infinix or another Chinese brand that are just much smaller, but they're beginning to try and make a, take a crack at the Western market. And I think I've got the Western version of the phone and it is filled with ads. And every now and then you just get a big notification app for a game you don't want. There's at least 10 to 15 games pre-installed. There's a load of rubbish on it. And Vivo this, says there's yeah. none of that on the on its European phones. Which this is was actually smart. a point. Sorry, this was a point I was going to make about the Mate 40 Pro. I was actually really surprised at how many ads are thrown up at you all the time. When yeah. you load App Gallery sometimes, it will put a non-skippable ad for an app or game Whoa. before you can get into it and i was thinking this is definitely not the right way to go if you want to convince people that app gallery is the new destination yeah. to get your apps like but, don't don't throw adverts at people all the time though let's be fair this is not just a chinese brand thing and it's not just no. a chinese handset thing because samsung loads its phones with ads mostly for its own stuff that's kind of the difference it feels less obtrusive because it's broadly just giving you ads for its own devices like but spotify is, ads on spotify it, but it is kind of perverse that you're on a samsung phone that you just bought and it gives you an ad for another samsung phone don't you want to buy that one it's like no i just bought this one i've got a samsung phone i 
I don't need more. It's like when the Google algorithm, you know, sort of ad tracking cookie algorithms realize, ah, oh, you've just bought a washing machine. We're going to give you washing machine ads. Yeah. No, yeah, that's not like, going to work. <laughs> I feel like if, if manufacturers insist on this policy, and if it is something that we do see more in the West, which I really hope we don't, but if it does, I would then at the very like most accept an Amazon Kindle model where you pay mm, yeah. a premium up front, hopefully a very small one, to yeah. just not have the ads. Or you pay less, but you get the ads and they're just built into the UI and yeah. that's just how it is. And There's something you to know that. going in. Exactly. You can say to people, yeah, buy a Kindle or buy like a Fire 7 and it will be a dirt cheap piece of hardware. You're saving that money because you are signing up for Amazon to bombard you with ads while you use it. Yeah. That's fine. When you're getting them on your 1800 pound <laughs> Galaxy Fold 2, something's gone wrong. Do you think those are on the Mate RS, the Mate 40 RS, the 2000 <laughs> euro plus? I, I, I that bet would you suck. They are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Vivo's um, finally coming to the, to, to the UK. The, the issue for me is, is the pricing they've chose to sit at. Like I said, they've got these three budget phones, but then the X51 is coming in at 750 pounds. And that is quite a lot um, for a phone that's on a 765G processor, which is a processor we like. We talk about a lot how you don't really need a faster processor than that. But that's in the £380 OnePlus Nord. So this is £300 more than that phone with the same chipset. Um, the camera is impressive, and it's got this cutting-edge thing where it's got a mini gimbal, which no one else does. And I was going to ask gimbal about that. That stabilizes the main camera. So what I still is don't it? get... Yeah, how does that differ from OIS? Uh, the difference is it is moving the entire camera module around rather than just moving the lens. So is this kind of like what the iPhone 12 Pro Max is going to have? I, that's what I'm trying to figure out because they were saying that they move the sensor yeah. rather than the lens. I presume and I'm the not lens sure, is moving too, right? Like, presumably. So yeah. I think it may be the exact same thing or very close. But they just don't um, call it that. But they didn't use the same terminology. Hmm. But yeah, it has that gimbal camera. I'll be honest, it's good, but it's not mind-blowing. Um, it's the night mode photography is pretty good um, and steady video is steady but OIS is so good on video that I don't think there's a huge step up from OIS to the gimbal mode and on night mode it helps a little bit with steadying but really sensor size is still the limitation for night mode photography not stabilization um, it may help with astrophotography and modes like that but for the standard shot where it's only exposing for a few seconds I don't think stabilization is really the big problem for the most part so it's a weird phone because I really, really liked the X50 Pro, but that was when it was saying, oh, you can import one for 500 quid. When oh. it's saying buy one for 750 quid in the UK. And one disclaimer to add to that is the UK model is only 256 gig of storage. So that's like the highest storage skew. So that as soon as you remember that, it feels a bit better. Mm. But the problem is everyone's going to always talk about starting prices. And this is maybe an unhelpful way to look at it in a way, but it means everyone's going to say, oh, well, the, you know, the OnePlus 5T is only 550 quid. It's 200 pounds cheaper. And it's like, yeah, okay. But if you compare to the one with the same storage capacity, the gap is only 100 pounds. So it's yeah. a bit closer, but no one will. They'll always say, well, the 8T is 550. This, this yeah. one's 750. So at, at that sort of price then, at 750, what, uh, what is better than this phone? What's, what is the benchmark at that level now? I mean, Everything... you're only 50 quid short of an iPhone 12. At that point, um, yep. I would probably buy an iPhone, to save another 50 and buy an iPhone. Um, you are paying more than you would for a Pixel 5 or for a OnePlus 8T or for a Galaxy S20 FE. 
I was going to say everything from last week we talked it's, about. It's is, pretty um, much everything, you, isn't it? You could get a full Galaxy S20 because um, they were 800 at launch, I think. Yep. Yeah, and they so always drop. I'm sure quickly. by now you can get one below 750. This was kind of my point, you know. The the fact is, if you're going to sell a brand, a brand new brand, you know, when mm. you introduce it, you probably don't want to go in at a higher price than the well-established competition. Exactly. It's very odd as a way to enter the market, and it's interesting because it's so different to what we saw from Xiaomi and Oppo. Yeah, when they exactly. did the same thing, where they went really aggressive on pricing, and they've worked up. Oppo then did the uh, the Find X2 series which is very pricey but and i still think they went super pricey a bit early for where they were in the market but they had at least had a year or two in the european market before they tried to release top tier flagship priced devices um what i'm hoping we get is the phone i was talking about earlier which is the v20 um which looks very very similar that's the v20 and the x50 pro side by side there's not a lot in it um they've got a design language and they've stuck to it but the V20, I really like. It's a more mid-range device. Um, it doesn't have the gimbal, but it's still got a... I think it's a 64-megapixel rear camera, 44-megapixel selfie camera. I haven't tested the selfie lens out much yet. That's still on my to-do list, so I, I don't want to comment on that. But the Did rear camera 44? has impressed me a lot. 44-megapixel selfie. So does it bin to an 11-megapixel image? I don't know what they bin That's to. That's a weird yeah. number. It's an odd number. I've yeah. not seen a 44 on anything before. Um, but it's a very nice phone. It's got just a um, sort of punch hole, uh, sorry, pin drop kind of notch rather than punch hole, which is a shame. But other than that, the design is very nice. It's only 7.4 millimeters thin. So Damn. it's very thin. It's very light. 5G? It's uh, not 5G. It's the Snapdragon 720G. So it's oh. not 5G capable, mm. but it has very solid performance. Um, camera has impressed me so far. 33 watt fast charging. It's basically a very solid device, and they just launched it in India a couple of weeks ago, and I'm kind of <coughs> surprised this isn't what they wanted to lead with in, in Europe, or at least have it among the lineup. And I'm hoping in a month or two they're going to turn around and bring the V20 as well, because if this came out around the four £500 line, I would be very quick to recommend it. So it's really just a case of waiting and see if it drops, drops in price. Um... But yeah, just slightly too high in price, really. Do we have any more on the carrier availability? Like in this country, at least, we, we probably have some insight, I, I assume. Like how are they actually pushing the brand into the they market? I haven't spoken about that yet. It's not on sale yet, to be fair. Oh, okay. So there's still time. Okay. It goes on sale on the 30th of October, I think, or the 29th, mm -hmm. sometime, right at the end of October. So there's another week before it goes officially on sale. So it may be that in the next week they're going to reveal the actual retailers and carriers. I would guess no carriers, but it will be in Amazon and a few of the big box tech retailers, and they're mm. going to have to work on those carrier relationships. But yeah. we'll see. Maybe they've got in early with someone like Three, who likes to have smaller brands available. I mean, that is the same seven-day like week period as the OnePlus 8T, isn't it? Hitting actual store shelves, isn't that from tomorrow, uh, the, the 23rd? It goes is... on sale. Uh, that's for the US. It's already on sale in the, ah, in the right, UK. Okay. The 8T. Um, but yeah, I, I think the lineup they've picked to launch with the Y series probably makes sense. They might do very well where people are more forgiving of, I haven't heard of this brand, but this phone looks nice and it's 150 quid. So I'm very keen to look at them. I think they're going to struggle with the X51, especially because mm. if anyone then goes and Googles it, they're going to get really confused results about what the X51 is. Whereas if they just called it the X50 Pro, they would have had people finding all these X50 Pro reviews that were glowing from before. Uh, but 
I think it's good to have another player in the market. They've obviously looked and thought, Huawei's gone, now's our chance. Um, and can't blame them for it. Uh, but yeah, you know, more, more companies in the mix is good. Um, they're also, they're in a funny position with ownership where they are widely reported as being owned by BBK, which is the same group that owns Oppo and Realme and OnePlus. Um, and yet, as a prominent part of their live stream yesterday, they made a big point of saying, we're an independent company, we're not owned by anyone else. Uh, and I'm still trying to dig into the bottom of this. I've been asking the PRs about the situation because uh, the company insists it's not owned by anyone. The internet, including you know the Wall Street Journal and places like that, insist it is owned by BBK Electronics, the same giant corporation that owns Oppo and OnePlus and Realme. Um, so I have a feeling they are owned by BBK and they have would rather the brand message be that they're separate so that they don't get seen as just the same as Oppo. But it's a bit of a weird situation that I don't, I'll admit, I don't fully understand. I, don't, I think I remember Oppo saying pretty much the same thing when they launched over here. Well, yeah, and but the thing is, we've also got, I think any of us covering this will remember from a few years ago, Honor making completely insisting that Honor was separate from Huawei, different companies, we don't share intelligence, we don't build products together. They do. I'm sorry, but they do. They're built Honor in the same factory. Huawei. They're built in the same yeah. factory. You can see the same products come out with different logos slapped on them. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, you, there's plenty of Huawei branding on, on Honor devices. Yeah. And I, I think, to be fair, this is a different situation. I think Vivo has its own manufacturing pipeline and development pipeline that is separate to Oppo. I think they were basically established... In the way that Sony used to make its internal divisions compete with each other, I think it's the same thing. BBK makes its brands fight against each other. They don't work together. They are run independently. Yeah. But I still think the money ultimately goes up mm. to the same place. Anyway. I, I, I guess I'm most excited about not really the X51 or, or the, the Y series, uh, but you know, in the past, we in the West were more aware of Vivo because of their weird concept products the, the apex stuff and then the next yeah. which and is the always next. the flagship line that gets those right. features first normally yeah. you reviewed the next three if i'm not mistaken yes yeah on the site um, uh, and, and the next dual display which was one yes. of the oh, yeah. brief wave of phones that put a, a screen on the back <laughs> i still thought it was really weird that the i think it was the last world cup the vivo next s which was the first phone with like an in-display fingerprint sensor mm. was the promotional phone and it was only available in china <laughs> it was very surreal like it was the first time i'd really seen like vivo pushing the brand yeah. outside of china in a platform and that's obviously years before they've actually made the jump so and it's, it's yeah it's worth saying talk to the promotional stuff they also made a big song and dance that they are a sponsor of uh uefa i think there it was go. so they're getting in on the football and again this is the same thing we saw last year and the year before oppo went very big on sponsoring sports events um all of the tennis and uh something else it was another big huge sports tournament that oppo went big in, on sponsoring they've been a long-term barcelona fc sponsor as well and the cricket that was another thing they were <laughs> big right. on the uk cricket um so yeah they, it, there's clearly a, a perception that getting in on sponsoring sports events is a good way to crack at least the uk market if not europe as a whole how well that holds out i don't know but um at least it gets the name out there i guess when you see vivo in the shop you don't go, what's a Vivo? You kind of have it in the back of your head. Like, I've seen that somewhere. Uh, anyway, so Vivo are here in the UK. We have already reviewed the X51 that is on the site. We basically say it's a great phone, but it costs too much. But if you see it drop in price, 
I would get on that. I think it is a very solid piece of hardware. And from a design perspective, it's one of my favorite phones of the year. Uh, but hoping we get more from them and more in the mid-range sector, because that's where I would like to see them kind of delivering. Uh, and final segment for the day, one that is, you know, kind of sad, but also I don't really care at all. Uh, <laughs> you got your overlay, <laughs> your, your special uh, music ready. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is the the sad end of Quibi slash Quibi, the phone-only TV and film streaming service that had its own library of custom content made to suit being shown either in portrait or in landscape, which was very cool, but also a bit pointless. Um, before we go into it, I'd just like to make one little point, which is we talked about the launch of Quibi in an early episode of Fast Charge, which means this podcast has lasted longer <laughs> than Quibi. Quibi had almost $2 billion of funding, and it couldn't last as long as Fast Charge. So, take if you that. knew what it took to put Fast Charge together, yeah, Quibi. I don't know how they managed it, but they they've died somehow. What we would do with two billion dollars of funding? <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be you'd be seeing a lot better uh, studios than these. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, yes, I mean this has been. We all knew this was coming, right? They, there's been stories forever about Quibi's. I think they had a their subscribers dropped off incredibly quickly and that was from a relatively small number at the beginning it was a they had a i think it was after their three month trial that they offered yeah it was a 90 percent drop something in like viewership yeah. which is pretty damning um yeah that's it everyone it, the free the free trial I, I signed up for the free trial three months of free why not give Did it you? a go uh i watched the um the sam raimi horror series that has the woman with the golden arm which became a, a huge meme <laughs> um this, this it, it's a great tongue-in-cheek thing that i think just bemused people who didn't watch it or didn't watch it knowing it was sam raimi because a lot of people are like wait is this serious and it's sam raimi who's kind of horror comedy so it was not serious but it's great it's this woman whose arm gets like has to get amputated because it gets crushed by a tree and she's really vain so she ends up making her husband spend all of his money giving her a beautiful golden arm and she has this like golden robot arm that she becomes absolutely obsessed with absolutely weird but if you can't if, if a viral hit like that cannot get you people actually watching your stuff then uh it, you're screwed it, it's hard to unpick it because obviously this is the way it has gone down but uh, you know putting your own speculation out there do you think that if we weren't in a pandemic and people were out and about more and, and on their phones more as they move around and they commute and all this stuff, mm. which is, I, I assume what Quibi was kind of meant for yeah, was that, that use was case, right? So do you think it would have survived or at least lasted longer had it not been for lockdowns? It definitely would have lasted longer. I don't think it would have lasted much longer. I think we would have seen it drag out for a year or two. Um but yeah, the, you know, the pitch was use it when you're out and about because it's all designed for your phone. At first, you could only watch it on your phone. They actually added TV app support this week, uh, <laughs> two days before they, they announced they were closing, um, which is really sad. Uh, but also all the episodes are in 10-minute chunks, That's which cool. is actually the perverse thing where what they've done in a lot of cases is made... You can kind of tell sometimes because what they actually did a lot of the time is basically make a movie and slice it up into 10-minute chunks. Um, which is a weird way to do it. But the idea is, yeah, you can, you're can you on the bus for 15 minutes. That's enough time to watch one episode of Quibi or while you're sitting in a waiting room at the dentist or, or whatever. And that is just not built for the, the COVID world of 2020. 
But even so, I think just it's too odd a proposition and it's competing with free content. The thing is, you have to pay as you do for most streaming subscriptions and people are willing, for better or worse, people are willing to pay for the Netflix they watch at home. Or people, and they're willing to pay for, say, the, the comparison point for me is like gaming. You look at this, people are very happy to pay for PC games and console games. No one pays for phone games. And it's the big crisis of the phone gaming industry is that they essentially then end up on these microtransaction models. Or then you get Apple trying Apple Arcade, which clearly failed very quickly because they also had to pivot to, there was a lot of stuff about how they went from a model of interesting arty games to, no, we just want the games that are getting engagement, which meant they kind of went back to games functionally in microtransaction models. Um, but that's the thing. People don't want to spend money on phone software. For whatever reason, it's been internalized that everything you do on your phone should be free. And I think Quibi was always going to be up against that. People just say, well, why would I pay if I could just go on YouTube? Or if I already pay for Netflix, I've got the Netflix app. I've got the Amazon Prime app and I can watch them at home as well. So why would I pay for something that only works on my phone? And as an extension of that point, you know, there was, was it all, it was all original content, right? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, everything on there was original. And they, you know, like I said, they got almost two billion of funding and a lot of that was into content and they got big names involved. Um, Liam Hemsworth, not Chris, but one of the other Hemsworths was in uh, a movie together with Christoph Waltz. Wow. Um, there was a punked show with, oh, I can't remember who the host of it was, but someone quite famous was the host of their like punked revival. Uh, like I said, Sam Raimi, very big, um, horror and fantasy director made this horror anthology show um, they got a lot of people involved and a lot of Hollywood heavyweights but it just didn't really stick I, I wondered if it was if part of the thing was if they didn't have any reputation so I, the only thing I would be able to compare it to is like when Instagram launched IGTV and then and mm. it was and for a while it, it was kind of no, no one was using it and then it kind of evolved into something where they figured out okay people can like post videos and then you can continue watching on IGTV and things like that and people obviously billions of people already used Instagram but then the fact that people would have to download yet another app to watch things to watch only original content from uh, yeah people they're not that necessarily that familiar with it it was kind of a hard sell to begin with I think this is going to be my point as well just that there's simply like a, a saturation of streaming services there's yeah. just too many now like how many are you willing to pay for because you know, either Netflix or, or something else is going to be something that you're definitely going to pay for. And I think I think Quibi hoped that it would work for them because they were different. Yeah. And that they could basically say, yeah, you pay for Netflix and Disney Plus at home to get Quibi for your phone. That would be a great business model if it wasn't that every single one of those streaming services has a mobile phone up. <laughs> you can watch them all perfectly well like, on your phone it's and not you like they're not as well yeah it, it's not like they're not on your phone they all are they're already on your phone half the phones we review have netflix, the netflix app pre-installed on them because of partnerships like all of these are available on your phone um and, and then the other thing that hurt them i think kind of ties into what both of you said just then and Ari and jim is it, there's no brand recognition right so the instagram comparison but also say you look at like um uh, the other big launch around the same time was Disney Plus, but that's Disney. You know yeah. what Disney is, so you know what Disney Plus is going to give you. And Apple TV Plus as well. Exactly. And these are the other things we're seeing: Apple TV Plus, uh, Peacock, which comes from NBC, yeah. has launched in the US and is coming here eventually. But again, they've got branding that people know that they can say, "You already know what you're getting," because you know Disney means 
Star Wars and Marvel and cartoons. So you know all those things are going to be on it. Um, you know Apple means quality, if nothing else. So that's going to have a sort of sense of, oh, it would be premium. Uh, Quibi was Quibi. No one knew what Quibi was. No one even knew how to pronounce it. <laughs> I mean, there's also the thing that, you know, Apple TV just hasn't really taken off the way Apple hoped. That's Apple. No. They yeah. had Spielberg yeah. and Oprah and, and mm. so many huge names and all of that money, and they couldn't make unique content work. They needed more. I think it's they very... Still do. Yeah, I, I think that's a very good point. And I think it's very telling that that is one of the problems that's played both of those services is maybe that idea that they both went for pure new original content as their model with no back catalogue. And maybe the answer is people aren't willing to pay the same price for a service that doesn't come with a back catalog. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why would you? Disney Plus leans on its originals, but for the first like six months, the only important original I had was The Mandalorian. The other stuff was kind of, you know, not 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 stuff that was going to sell subscriptions. But yeah. you got Disney Plus because it had all of the old Disney movies. Um, I don't know how uh, successful BritBox has been, um, but it's a really interesting one because um, I'm sure it hasn't been. It does have that massive back catalogue that you just mm. talked about. And there will be some people, probably a small minority, who go, I really want to watch um, old episodes of Michael Palin or yeah. whatever it is. Um, and, and you know, they've obviously got the Spitting Image um, exclusive at the moment, which is driving uh, those sort of trial subscriptions. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I just when they announced it, I thought, is this ever going to work? Because there's so many streaming services um, and, and, you know, a lot of that content is free anyway, and you, you would have watched it for free in the past. Exactly. Um, yeah. How many can how many are people willing to subscribe to? Because everything's a subscription service these days. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, sort of final point on the content note is, is this final little crisis for Quibi is, you know, they announced that they're winding it down. Um, understandably, what they're now trying to do is sell their content library to someone else. Um which is slightly limiting because it was all designed to be able to be watching portrait or landscape. So that element of it will just be lost forever. It, I guess it will be the landscape versions that end up being put on another platform. Um, but word is they've already been to quite a few of the major US media brands and all of them said no. Um, maybe Quibi were just asking for too much. Maybe the price will just have to drop and then someone like Netflix will buy it. Obviously, everyone wants more content, but seemingly no one wants Quibi's content. <laughs> I do wonder how much they already had like in the bank that hadn't yet aired as well. Like... Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of the shows they did air sort of an episode every day and things like that. They had models where they rolled out slowly, so there probably are lots of shows that are midway through airing right now, and and the remainder may never make it onto the service. Um, it's worth saying I think for the time being the app is still running, so if you've never tried it, you could still presumably get that three month free trial and dive in and give it a go if you're curious. Um, they, the app is, I believe, still operational. They just have announced that it, it, the company is winding down. So we don't know how much longer it will be available for and whether that content will turn up anywhere else. So if you really do want to see this woman with the golden arm, and I promise you it's the only thing on there that's worth watching, but it is, <laughs> uh, you, you probably still have time to do that. Yeah, just 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 one one quick point. is I, I assume it's kind of primarily targeted to younger age demographic. And for me... I mean, I wasn't following it hugely, but I never saw people talking about the shows from Quibi. I never saw it make no. it onto social media and people like a buzz about it or people excited about the next episode, even if they were like serializing them. No, so exactly. it's kind of a strange one. Yeah. 
like I said, this one golden arm thing went a bit viral on Twitter. That was it, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, people were changing their Twitter handles to uh, <laughs> to golden arm and things. But nothing else popped up anywhere. You know, this is exactly, I think they were hitting, going for a younger demographic and really they needed to be getting shared on Instagram and TikTok and places like that. And it clearly just wasn't happening. Um, maybe the problem is their opening gambit of content wasn't strong enough. And if, you know, maybe there's an alternate universe where with some you know, they never had that killer show in that first three month period where people were on it because it was free. And maybe if they had, if there'd been something right at launch that everyone said, oh, you have to watch this. This is amazing. Maybe that would have carried them. But Stray it never in the comments agrees that Quibi had terrible marketing. Awful. Absolutely yeah. awful. Yeah. What That's did they do with that two billion? Absolutely wild. <laughs> I assume it all went on content, essentially, but that's all went on that golden arm. What do you huge, mean? <laughs> that, that arm was, was like a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that is the the sad end of Quibi. Um, but I'm I'm quite proud that our little show has outlasted a two billion dollar backed Hollywood operation. This is also I mean the scale of that money. This is one of the biggest, quickest failures, not just in Hollywood, but in like American business for a long time i mean a two billion dollar company going down in six months is astonishing how long did juicerio last do you remember that brand they made these like proprietary juices where you bought a juice pack but all it was really doing was just squeezing the bag inside the machine oh man uh I never heard of them, so uh, it <laughs> never reached me. They also just went viral for being absolutely awful. So <laughs> scammy. Not not the not the best thing for your business model, I suspect. No, they they say that uh, sixteen any, any, months. Sixteen months. Yeah. Any any longer. any publicity is good publicity, but that's not true. That's not, not when everyone realizes your juicer is not a juicer. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that is the end of Quibi. And I guess that's as good a note as any to end this week's show on. Uh, I'm going to look forward to never having to think about Quibi again in my life, in all honesty. Um, it was a blight on the industry. <laughs> we will be back again next week, of course. I don't know what to talk about, though, because phone launches I are basically done now, right? Um, we have some iPhones winging their way to, to Lewis, who's not on the show this week, but... Um, it may be that he's had enough time with an iPhone to talk about that next week, and maybe we'll have a review on air. But beyond that, we'll be winging it. So let's see what what breaks. Let's hope all the leakers get busy again. Yeah. Big time. Galaxy uh, S21. Yeah. Well, we almost talked about that today, because if you don't know, go and look. The Galaxy S21 or S30 has leaked fairly comprehensively, at least from the design perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll probably talk about that next week, because we didn't quite have the time. We had a little debate on the team today about whether we wanted to rag on Quibi for 10 minutes or talk about the S21 and we all agreed it'd be more fun to just make fun of Quibi <laughs> uh, Shrey says talk about PS5 or Xbox we might um, I think we'll probably hold that for when they are closer to the launch dates maybe but um, we, we are pre- predominantly a phone show that's how we see it but um, especially if you know they're big launches and I think we've talked about them briefly in the past so we might make a little we, exception you know, yeah we can we can make exceptions for for things that only happen once every five years like that exactly there's not there's not there's not two huge console launches in the same week very often uh okay yeah so thank you to everyone who's been watching uh, or listening and yeah thanks to the team for joining me and talk to you all soon bye see you again bye